This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 249, and I'm talking with Michael Wardian. Michael is America's favorite serial racer. He runs for Hoka Ane Ane, and his list of accomplishments in the running world are extreme and adventurous and exciting. He didn't start running competitively until after college, but he ran his first marathon in 1996, trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and the rest is history. He competed in the 2004, 2008, and 2012 Olympic Marathon Trials. And some of the other, I'm just going to list a couple other of the wild accomplishments he's He's done. He ran 631 miles across Israel in 2019 in 10 days, 16 hours, and 36 minutes. He ran all of the world marathon majors in one year, and he also has competed in the well-known Badwater 135 race, as well as completed seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. One piece of his story that I just love so much is that him and his wife have traveled with their two kids all over the world to so many of his races and events that he's done. And I just think that's the coolest gift that they've given their kids, um, that gift of travel. And we get to talk to Mike a little bit about that in this episode. He's also a full-time ship broker and Mike runs on little sleep, very little sleep. And we talk about that a little bit in this episode as well. He's a fun guy. He's someone that I know a lot of you look up to. And I was really excited to have this conversation with Mike. We talked a few weeks ago, uh, coming off his win at the quarantine backyard ultra that many people were following online and he won that race. So it was fun to catch up and hear how that went and hear about what else he's up to. All right, friends, if you are loving this podcast, one way you can support the show is by leaving a rating interview on whatever app you are listening on. So if you could just pause, take a moment and do that, I would appreciate it so much. And then if you enjoy this episode in particular or any other of the episodes I've recently recorded or recorded back in the day, just take a screenshot and share it with your social media people or your friends. Um, that's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us is when people organically share the episodes that they've truly enjoyed the most. So I would appreciate that so very much. I hope you all are holding up well in this crazy quarantine time. A big thank you once again to all the healthcare workers, all the essential workers out there. We appreciate you so very much. And if you ever need anything from me, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. And you can shoot me an email at lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. All right. This Friday, we've got an episode coming up with Amelia Boone, a fun Friday catch-up episode. And um, I actually just got off the recording with her, and it was a super fun 
interview. So anyway, uh, enjoy this conversation with Michael Wardian. Well, today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have Michael Wardian on the show. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You are a busy guy, and congratulations on winning the Quarantine Backyard Ultra somewhat recently. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it was like about two weeks ago or so. Yeah, and then this past Saturday, you were already running, which won't surprise people if they know your story and who you are, but you were already running another 12-hour race on this Saturday. How did that go? Uh, It went really well. I got third overall. Um, and I, um, yeah, I was really, I was really happy with that based on, um, you know, having, you know, just, just run like a little over 260 miles, um, you know, a week or so ago or two, I guess a week and a half ago. Yeah. And that's the furthest you've ever run at once, right? Uh, continuous. Yeah. That was the furthest I'd ever run. Yeah. And then, um, question on that and we'll dive into the quarantine backyard a little bit more, but um, what were you, what was your average like uh, rest time between? Cause I know it's the 4.1 mile every hour. Uh, yes. Well, it's actually, it's like 4.1666. Okay. So um, uh, the average amount of time I would say was about 12 minutes I had between laps. Okay. Um between four mile loops or laps. And I sometimes uh, it would be like 15 minutes and other times um, it would be more like 10 minutes. Okay. I think the, the worst, the, the closest I got was maybe like, yeah, 10 minutes or so. Um, so, so yeah, so that was kind of, I was in that range. Most of the, most of the, most of the race, I would say most of the day, but you know, it's weird because it's you know <laughs> such a long race that it's, um, you know, more than a more than a day. So I want to step back just a little bit before we dive into the quarantine backyard. I don't, we don't need to ha- do like the whole history of your running, but I just, in case people haven't been following your career, um, I just kind of want to know the source of where your love for this like serial racing type lifestyle came. I know you ran your first marathon in 96 and it was kind of history from there, but, um, yeah. Can you guys just kind of walk us back to that, that first marathon and, and how you fell in love with the desire to run these races so consistently? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess when I first started, um, my, it's funny cause it's Boston marathon today or it should have been, yeah. but, um, I, I just wanted to run Boston and, uh, and then I qualified and then I ran Boston. Um, I got qualified on my first race, ran Boston in my second race or a second marathon, and then decided I was just going to do like a bunch of the, the, the big marathons and then I'd be done. And, uh, so in, I think that was 1997, I did uh, my first Boston, and then I did Chicago, uh, Marine Corps again, New York, um, like kind of like every, I think it was three marathons in four or five weeks or something. And, um, and I realized like each one, I got a little bit stronger than the last one, even though everybody I had met and <laughs> all the other runners that I knew were like, you're crazy, you're going to get hurt, you know, <laughs> like, you can't do that. Um and I just, 
I don't know. I just, I just wanted to try it and see if I could. And, um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of what I, I decided to do, um, and had good success with it. Like, um, I, I was surprised at, you know, how well, um, how well I recovered and also, you know, how well I ended up doing. And then I just decided, well, you know, just because, something you know doesn't work for a lot of people doesn't mean it doesn't work for you and so i just kind of kind of followed my own own principles i guess on that in that i was just i was willing to to be different and um you know that's not always a good thing but in this case it worked out for me yeah i love that just that thought in general that it's okay to be different and that it's not going to work the same for everybody because I think a lot of experts in the sport will say, well, you got to do it this way, you know, and, you know, not everybody's built as durable as, as the next athlete. But my biggest question in regards to that, um, besides probably some genetic components, how do you not get injured? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what a lot of people have asked. And and I think I've been lucky. I mean, I, I did have some, uh, some injury, um, but really minimal based on how long I've run. I, in 2012, I had five stress fractures of my pelvis and five hernias, um, simultaneously. And so that was kind of my only bout of injury. And I had to take four months of running off and just was able to cycle and, and underwater run and treadmill and that kind of stuff. Um, but then since, since then, and before 2012, I'd always, you know, maintained a good level of health and really didn't have to take any downtime for anything. Um, so, uh, I'd say, I mean, it, it's some of it's, I think, you know, maybe just the way I'm built and, um, you know, other, other things that I, I try to do. And, and I've, I guess always, kind of done this i feel like i've refined it more um you know the longer i've been in the sport and you know the more that um i've tested myself is like after events i usually try to stay moving Mm -hmm. like i don't really get hung up on um you know there was like i don't know if you remember but a couple years ago or i can't remember where i saw it but like they said like each day or each mile that you race, you need to take one day off for each mile raced or something. And I was just thinking like, you know, if you ran a hundred miles, you'd have to take a (laughs) hundred days off. Like that just doesn't make any sense. And like, I I don't know if it was just because I, I just didn't, you know, and it was like the same for like, you know, if you ran a marathon, you'd have to take 26 days off or, um, it just, yeah. But or, or just easy. Right. And that just didn't make sense to me. And so, um, and so I, I've never really prescribed to follow that kind of stuff. I just, um, and I think that since my injuries, I've been more cognizant, like before my injuries, I would, you know, race and a couple times a weekend and always try to try to hit a hundred miles a week. And, um, you know, since my injuries, you know, I, I'm happy if, if I don't feel like, you know, putting in a big week and I only end up with 60 miles or 70 miles, then okay, fine. You know, I, I know that, um, you know, that's okay. And so like, I, I feel like uh, giving myself permission to say like, you know, if, if I feel up for doing more miles, that's good. And if, um, 
you know, I need to, you know, back it down or I, I'm trying to deal with something, then um, then I take that time and, and I really focus on it. And I think in the last couple of years, uh, I've really incorporated a lot of strength and conditioning and um, mobility type stuff into my training. And, and I know that's helped me in, in these longer events for sure. Yeah. And I was thinking as you age too, it probably just becomes a little bit more important as it does for all of us. Um, so walking back to 2012, when you had that injury, uh, that was also a hard time in your life with your son being diagnosed with epilepsy, right? Yes. So I'm just curious with your mental health and just like, you know, dealing with an injury when you're so, so engrossed in something can be so hard. Um, even for someone who just runs like 50 miles a week and then you have this family stuff going on that was probably a really hard time in your life. I'm curious um, how you handled that mentally and kind of walked through that. Yeah, it was, I mean, for us, it was uh, life changing. I mean, uh, we'd never really had that um, experience as parents. Um, you know, we were still pretty new parents. Like, Grant was three and a half or four years old um, when, you know, it started happening. And, um, you know, we had to deal with, you know, the healthcare, healthcare. We had to deal with, you know, getting doctors. I think my wife, Jennifer, did an amazing job, like kind of navigating all that. Um, you know, and I, I, I'm a professional runner, but I'm also a full time uh, international ship broker. So like dealing with, um, you know, both of the demanding stresses of, you know, a, a job and, or I guess two jobs. And, and then also, um, you know, the travel schedule that I was holding down and, and then, um, never sleeping just because we were worried that, you know, he would permanently damage his, his body and, and mind if, you know, we let the seizures go on too long. And you, unfortunately, like with, a lot of things uh, you can't predict when the seizures are going to happen. And then it also meant that that limited how much they could travel with me so that, you know, that was an additional stress that you're dealing with is, you know, just being away from each other for periods of time. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we made it through that. And, um, you know, for us, it was a, a time to really come together as a family. And, you know, I think it made us stronger and, and we came out of it the other, the other end. And he's been, um, seizure free for almost six or seven years now. Wow. So that's awesome. No, I guess it's been about five years. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is amazing. Um, and, uh, but you know, you don't forget that and you think about it. I mean, we, we still travel, like we've been able to travel around the world again together and the kids have been to like 23 countries. And, but you know, when you're in the middle of nowhere, uh, or, you know, backwoods somewhere, you, it's still on your mind and we still have the stuff to, you know, take care of it if it comes up. And, um, you know, it's, it's, we were lucky. I mean, there's a, people that have, you know, a lot bigger challenges than we had and, and we got through it. Okay. Yeah. Your wife does sound like an incredible human and I just, had... Oh, she is. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. I just talked with uh, Courtney DeWalter and Maggie Gertrell and Sally McRae. We did a podcast, like the three of them together. And I said, hey, I'm. Oh, yeah, they're awesome. They're my buddies, man. Oh, good. Yeah, I knew you guys were buddies. And so I said, um, hey, I'm talking with Mike Wardian in a couple of days. What 
what would you want to hear from him? And one of the first things that I think it was Maggie said was like, you should really have his wife on the show with him because she's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, they're they're good buddies, too. Um, yeah, I mean, she's she's really funny. And uh, yeah, she and Maggie get on really well. Um, and she, she actually does like Rosie, our dog's Instagram account. And if you follow that, like uh, Rosie Vishla runs on Instagram, she's super funny there too. So. Oh, really? Okay. Everybody loves a good dog yeah. Instagram. That's good to know. Yeah. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's super funny. So, um, we'll link yeah, to that. she's just awesome. Yeah. She's, she's like the, a lot of the reason why I'm able to do these things. And I'd say, you know, I wouldn't be possible without her support and the support of the kids and sponsors and everything. But yeah, she definitely, um, you know, makes all our lives better. How did you guys meet? A frat party. Stop. That's awesome. Like, was it your frat? No, it was my brother's fraternity at Washington college. Um, so yeah, it was just a total uh, frat party, like happy ending story. Yeah. So like, then you guys met, have been together for there. a long time, huh? Oh yeah, we've been together for like twenty some years. Okay, um, yeah, in, frat party. You're in college, I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, actually, I was. I think I just graduated, okay. so she was like a couple years younger than me. So I was just visiting my brother, and yeah, we met there, and. Um, I'd say we've been together ever since, really. It was crazy. That's so, that's so cool. I love that. I love I love the get to like how you met stories and I wouldn't have guessed frat <laughs> party in this in this story. Yeah, yeah. It was a different time for sure. But yeah, it was funny because she um I I guess I got lucky because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we met and um and then the next day we were gonna try to meet up for breakfast or something and I was I was like just getting back from like a 15 or 20 mile run, you know? And Mm. so like, she kind of was like, what your brother ran to like a different town. (laughs) That's, that's weird. Like, cause they lived on the, they lived on the Eastern shore of Maryland. And so like the towns are like, I don't know, five or 10 miles apart. So I just ran to the next town and ran back. And, um, I guess, yeah, at that point, she knew that I was a runner. um, And I was just kind of finding running that, you know, at that point, and it was kind of early on. But yeah, for sure. It was it was funny. Like she, she was definitely like this dude's a little weird, for sure. (laughs) Well, I think it's so cool that you all have traveled with your kids to so many places and around the world. And (laughs) I would love to just kind of hear you talk about some of those experiences and why that's so important to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's actually one of the best benefits of of being a professional athlete is the ability to bring your family with you um, and share the world with them. And I mean, it's one of my biggest passions. Um, And actually, I'd say, you know, it's probably the 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 most enjoyment we get as a family is is traveling together. And um, yeah, they've been. yeah, all over Europe, like, you know, France, Belgium, um, Spain, um, you know, and then, you know, where we haven't been yet is uh, South America and Antarctica. So those are the two continents they still have to hit. But we, you know, we're hoping to get down there next year for the Falkland Islands to check that out and then, you know, hopefully go over to Antarctica. But I'd say it's been crazy because, you know, we've been traveling with them internationally since they were tiny. So, 
you know, we have pictures from going to like the 100K World Championships and 50K World Championships as a family. And, um, and you know, they're just tiny and, and it, we're hauling like, you know, backpacks and strollers and pack and plays. And, um, you know, we always have to like get there and see how big the car is to see if we can mm-hmm. fit all the crap in it. And, um, and you know, it's car seats and booster seats and, um, yeah, umbrella strollers and jog strollers and, <laughs> uh, and then all the food that goes along with it. Um, but it's been completely worth it because our kids are, um, incredible travelers, super patient. Uh, they have a good worldview. They really have, a an understanding that there's many different ways to do it. You know, they've seen, you know, toilets that you sit on, they've seen squat toilets, they've, um, you know, taken, taken, uh, you know, showers before they get into the bath in Japan, you know, they've had, you know, crazy breakfasts, they've eaten, you know, different things, you know, they're pretty open to, um, open to the world. And I think that'll bode well for their futures. And, um, and I know it just has allowed them to get a different perspective than, um, you know, a lot of kids their age. And, you know, I hope that serves them well in the future. That is so cool. I, I think when you said it, they are patient is that was so key for me because we have not traveled with our kids a ton. And that is one thing that if you don't travel with your kids a lot, it's really hard to, to show them like, Hey, like you have to be patient when you travel. Cause there's lots of things that happen, you know, just going through the airport, for instance. Um, I was just traveling with it, just my seven year old. I just had one of my kids with me and he's probably only flown four times, you know, in his life. And he was struggling with being patient through the airport. And if that's not something that they've done often, then, you know, it's, you got to teach it. So yeah, I imagine you do have very patient children. (laughs) Well, yeah. And what's funny about that is, um, you know, (laughs) yeah, you get, you get somewhere and everybody's frustrated because you're like standing in line to Mm -hmm. get a visa or, um, you know, you're trying to clear immigration or something like that. And, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are or like where, you know, where you are, like, there's always things that, you know, don't go the way that you're expecting or, you know, flights canceled or you miss the bus or, you know, the taxi doesn't show up or it's just, it's just life. And it's just a good lesson that, you know, just because you want to do something, uh, and you and you have an idea of how it's going to go. That's not usually the way it ends up, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different. It's different than what you expected, and it's different than you know, maybe what you signed up for. But it still, you know, has something of value there. And and I think that they know that now. And they're super, just like water. I mean, there's like okay, and Man. and I think that makes them good travelers. And And I think if you're a good traveler, I mean, it it allows you to get through a lot of things in life because, you know, stuff changes. I mean, that's the only the only thing that, you know, is like, uh, you know, no matter how and it works for races, too. It's like no matter how good you feel at certain points, like you're not always going to feel that way. And, you know, when you're feeling bad in a race, it's it's not going to last forever. And so, like, you know, just if you just keep moving forward, you know, good things will happen. That's so good. I'm inspired to bring this conversation 
in some way, shape or form to my kids, because I do think that it's, <laughs> it's something you have to talk, like talk about on a regular basis because that's it. You know, like that's why, um, they say kids oftentimes have like, uh, meltdowns at like birthday parties and things like that because they have this like expectation of what it's supposed to be and if it's not exactly that they kind of melt down so I think that constant conversation of it might not be exactly how you expect it to go and that's okay it's just different I love that that's so good yeah I mean it, and I mean I think it works for people too yeah I adults mean, <laughs> I, I I mean I I know that um I, I, yeah, I, I know that I've, I, and it, it, and it applies to, you know, many aspects of your life. I mean, you have an idea when you're a kid of like what marriage is going to be like mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and what it's going to feel like to own your first home and, um, and, you know, get older and all those things. And it, it's, it's, it's not always the same way that you saw it uh, at different points, but it, it doesn't mean it's bad. Hey friends, a quick break to let you know that if you are interested in supporting this podcast, I have a Patreon page and I record two extra episodes a month over there, one with Lauren Flores and one with my husband, Glenn, for as little as three or $5 a month, you can get access to those. And it is just one way you can support this podcast. If you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine, you can gain access to over 65 episodes that are backlogged over there. And a little note, I do not edit or filter those episodes. I did have to bleep Glenn out uh, on his last episode because he was dropping way too many F-bombs. But um, yeah, it's just kind of a more unfiltered conversation over there. Less structure and... Um, yeah, so that's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And thank you so very much to anyone who's already supporting. It means the world to me right now. Um, and always, all right, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Michael Wardian. Um, so of all the, you've done like I can't go through the list of races and accomplishments. It's just very long. <laughs> you've done a lot, but I'm curious, you know, you've done Badwater, you've done all these back-to-back races. Um, what's been the hardest, like what's been the biggest challenge of a race for you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you always kind of look back or at least I tend to look back on the races that, um, you know, I didn't succeed in. And so, you know, I've, I've had those too. And, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to finish Spartathlon a couple of years ago when I was there. And, you know, I just, I made some careless mistakes and ended up costing me the chance to cross the finish line. Um, you know, I, I, you know, dropped out of, you know, the Boston marathon once, like thinking of that, like, what year um, was that? I don't know. It was like 2000. It was pretty early in my career, like 2009 or, or I'm sorry, two th- or maybe 2000 or 2001. And, okay. um, you know, I was just trying to run too hard. Oh, okay. Like I was just trying to keep up with the, the Africans and, um, I just wasn't that fit, you know? And so like, I think that's, what's great about running is it, it'll show you very quickly, uh, you know, even like, and it, it, uh, will, um, humble you very, very, very quickly. If, if you believe that you are stronger or fitter, or, uh, you believe you've done more work than you have, like 
that's the awesome thing about running is um, it doesn't care. It doesn't mm-hmm. care who you are. It doesn't care where you come from. It only cares if you've done the work and you are prepared to, um, to, to withstand what it's throwing at you and, and suffer uh, and, and, <clears throat> and run, you know, within yourself. And, and I think if you, and again, it goes back to expectations, but if you, if you haven't done the work and you have unrealistic expectations, um, running is not going to coddle, coddle you and it's not, it's not going to let you, uh, let you have what you want. And so, um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, that's, that's part of the process too. I mean, if, all you ever do is have success. I think that it means you're not setting your goals high enough and, um, and, and you have to, you know, put something out there that, you know, is a stretch. And then eventually, you know, you work towards it and you either get it or you reevaluate. And I, you know, I've had, I've had events like that where, you know, I've, I've, you know, not done what I needed to do and ended up, you know, suffering for it. And, um, you know, that's, that's okay because I know that I, I gain, you know, I, I know that I can finish a hundred miler just on Coke if I need to, or, um, you know, not eating for 50 miles. Like it's not the way I want to finish and it's not going to be, um, you know, awesome, but I know I can do it. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be gleaned from all those experiences. And, um, you know, when you have that knowledge and, and things get tough, you can draw on it. And so, um, you know, I, I'm willing to make some, you know, sacrifices and mistakes. If, uh, each time I do, you know, I continue to evolve as an athlete and I'm, you know, able to become, you know, a better person in the process. Now, what about the seven marathons, seven continents, seven days? How, what does that rank up there on list of, of hardest things you've done? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the world marathon challenge, like that's definitely a, um, a tough event just um i mean just if you didn't run a marathon at every place you landed and you just like yeah took a tour on a bus it would be a hard week um <laughs> and so like to add in you know running you know 26.2 miles or 42 kilometers um adds a little bit of intrigue and and exertion to the to the event but yeah it's it's amazing it's definitely one of the harder things i've done um I'd say like probably one of the hardest things was the backyard ultra that we, you know, started talking about earlier is, um, you know, that's, that's a bit of a challenge. Like it's, it's interesting to me because, you know, you can't really, um, a lot of times like I use speed because I'm, you know, relatively fast and, um, it's one of the events where, you know, your the speed doesn't really help you. You don't go any further than anyone else. It doesn't Mm -hmm. really give you an advantage other than, you can finish sooner, but then, you know, if you use too much of it, so it's actually, you have to, at least for me, I had to really slow down, um, my cadence, my stride. I had to like alter, um, you know, my complete running style. Um, and it's, you know, that's, uh, frustrating, like frustrating a little bit, but also it's just hard to be consistent with. And, um, and it wasn't just for like, you know, a couple hours, but you know, for a couple days. And so like, um, you know, that I think was, uh, mentally challenging. Um, and then you're dealing with different weather patterns and you know, sleep deprivation. And, um, yeah, it's just, it was, it was for me, it was really cool. The nice thing is that I was, 
you know, close to my house and, um, you know, I was close to my family and they were able to support me. But, you know, I think the other thing about that event too, is like each time you are done, you're like at your aid station, you can just quit. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's similar to like the Barclay marathon or something. And, you know, I've done that, uh, event a couple of times. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that makes that event hard because, you know, once, once you go, you know, you're going to be out there for, you know, 12 hours or, you know, 10 hours without any aid. And, um, you know, you're kind of on your own, but I think those are also the events where you grow a lot. And, um, you know, that's that I know for me that that's, um, you know, I've had a couple of failures at Barkley and, um, you know, it's made me a better, better athlete and, and just more self-resilient, um, because, I know, you know, I know I can make it and I can put myself in tough positions and, and, you know, make it back. And, and that's, I think, important for people to, to have those experiences. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite thing about the Barkley marathon? And, and did you say you've, have you attempted twice? Yeah, I attempted twice and I haven't even completed a single lap, which is, okay. um, it's tough. like I've, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just careless mistakes. Uh-huh. And, um, the, the time seems like you have a lot of time, but you know, I've gotten all the pages and, and, but I just didn't get back fast enough. And the second time I, um, knew I wouldn't make it in time. And so, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, you got to just keep showing up and get better each time. And, um, I'd say, uh, I mean, the hardest thing about, uh, that I've found about the Barclay is, um, just, uh, navigating the weather and then, um, and then, yeah, just the time it, it's, it's again, 12 hours seems like a lot of time to go 20 miles, but, um, but yeah, it's, it, for me, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's awesome because it's not many races where I'm chasing the cutoff and, you know, <laughs> this is definitely one of those, um, events where I am. And I guess I'd say one of my favorite things about it is just the people, man. It's like, if you ever get a chance to, you know, be at the Barkley or take part in it, I mean, once you're in, it's kind of like Hard Rock or Western States or UTMB or, you know, Tarawar or something. It's like once you're part of the family and, and you've or Boston or New York, I mean, uh, once you're, you know, in and, and you've showed up, um, you know, that you're 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 in and, and you're you know, part of it. And, um, you're part of the history then. And, um, it's, it's pretty special to be in that, you know, a small group of people that, you know, have taken part. Yeah. So for everybody listening, and just in case you don't know the Barkley marathon, um, you will do a better job at this Mike, than I will. I, I do know what it is, but could you just give them like the briefest rundown of, of what it consists of so that they understand what you mean when you talk about the pages? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's called the Barkley marathons. It's set in, um, a place called, it's just, just a state park. It's a, it's like right outside of Knoxville called frozen head, Tennessee. Um, and it's, uh, created by a guy named Lazarus Lake. Um, and it's, you run five 20 mile loops, um, although the loops are a little longer than 20 miles, which is kind of part of the thing. Uh, where you have to navigate through the park without any course markings and 
the way that they know that you've reached all the points on the map or um, the route, because you actually do have to follow a route. It's not just like navigating. Um, so there's, you know, a bunch of directions and uh, and then you have to find like these uh, he was <laughs> like novels out in the woods and like Ziploc bags that are hidden in like tree branches and under logs and, um, you know, hanging off the side of buildings and I don't know, everywhere. Uh, and you have to find these pages and then each loop you get a page number. So, you know, I could be like, you know, my bib number might be 10. And so for that loop, I have to find all the pages that, are number 10 and then bring them back. And if you get back before 12 hours uh, with all the pages, then you're allowed to start the next loop. And then that loop, you'll get a different bib number. And then you have to find the pages in the book for that bib number. Um, what makes it a little tricky is like, once you leave the campground, there's no aid. So you have to bring everything you're going to need for 12 hours. Um, you know, food, there's one, time where you can get water some people just dip out of the streams uh, i've never done that um <laughs> but yeah other than other than that yeah you just gotta you gotta find your way around the park uh without uh course markings uh find all the pages and make it back before 12 hours and so it, again it's you know each loop is you know over 20 miles and uh, each loop has around nine or 10,000 feet of elevation gain. So, um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's a big challenge, even if it was marked and, you know, take away the markings and add in some bad weather and, you know, it becomes, comes pretty tough. Yeah. I just know that I would be a puddle of tears two miles in because I would be certain that I was totally lost. And, um, I think it takes a special kind of person to take on that challenge specifically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's funny because that's I got lost about two miles in. Oh, really? Uh, both times. Yeah, both times. Um, and yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing. No one's going to come save you. Yeah. So you have you, you part of the the race is that you got to be able to find your way back. And so, um, yeah, I, there's been people that have been, you know, 12 hours lost and only made it like a mile. So it's it's weird. It seems like it shouldn't be that tough, but it's, it's a pr pretty good challenge. And, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like, I, I think it's like one of those classic, um, you know, events in the world. And, uh, I'm so glad that, you know, I was able to be a part of it in the past and, you know, hope to again in the future. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about the quarantine backyard just a little bit. I, you know, I think a lot of people have been follow, we're following it pretty aggressively. Um, simply one of the reasons is just that we're all home, right? Like what else are we doing? And all these people are doing this ultra challenge and it's, it was really fun to follow online. So I guess my first question is when you decided to do it, did, are you the kind of person, like, are you the competitive person that is like, I'm going in to win it? Um, actually, no. I mean, yeah, I, I always like to try to, you know, put myself in a good position, but I, I really wasn't thinking about trying to win it at first. Um, I just wanted to go further than I'd ever gone. Um, so for me, I run this entire, um, CNO canal, which is a big, um, like it's basically a tow path where they used to haul barges of like, um, commodities up and down um 
up and down Virginia to Pennsylvania. And uh, so that was around 300 kilometers or like 184 miles. And I ran that in 36 hours, 36 minutes and 12 seconds and broke a record from like the 70s. Um, wow. And so for me, that was kind of my longest run without sleep. And um, and so like I, I thought, well, if I can go a little bit further than that, that would be pretty awesome. And so that's kind of the mindset I started with was, you know, it'd be cool to, you know, get to like, you know, 190 miles and, you know, or just longer than 36 hours and and then see what happens. And, you know, that's kind of how I went into the race. And, um, you know, as as the event went along, you know, I, I started thinking, wow, it'd be cool to get to 200 miles and 250 miles. And then, you know, when it was just me and uh, the guy named Radic from the Czech Republic, I was thinking, wow, it'd be um, cool if we can do something special. I was less concerned about winning because, I mean, you don't really win anything, yeah. but I was more, <laughs> well, actually, that's not true. I got the golden roll of toilet paper. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I mean, I was, I was more interested in just seeing how far I could go and uh, how long I could go without sleep and uh, how I would feel. Because um, like my big project for the year is I want to run across the country and um, maybe try to set the Guinness World Record for that. So that would be you know, averaging like 70 miles a day for 40, 41, 42 days. um, So yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, where I would like to end up. And so this was a good opportunity to just see, you know, you know, how many miles I can handle and, um, you know, how I would feel. So do you think that, is that a feasible thing now with this year just being so crazy? I mean, you probably wouldn't need to really be in many public places, I guess, would you be camping in a tent? Yeah. So I don't think so. Like, I, I don't want to try to do it now. Um, yeah, right. Uh, just because I don't want to put anyone, like if I'm pushing that hard, like I could put myself, um, at risk, but also like I need like three or four people mm-hmm. to help crew me. And mm-hmm. I just don't want to expose people to that. And I also want my dad to be a part of it and he's older. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, I, I don't want um, to put him at risk. Um, and I just don't think it's a good time. And kind of, I mean, it's awesome to try to go for the record. But um, the other point is, like, I really want to see our country in a deeper way. And um, mm. I just don't think I would get that experience right now. And um, I, I don't think it would be safe or wise to do it. But um, but yeah, I hope to in the future. Like, Do you I'm think hoping that... by the fall, maybe. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Okay. okay. I'm like wondering, cause I just, you know, I feel like people talking about things opening back up and stuff in the fall, but I'm kind of in the camp of school of thought that I kind of feel like a lot of these races might not even happen in the fall. So I was just curious if your thoughts on, if you thought it would actually be possible in this, you know, calendar year. Hope so. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would. I would, I don't know. I hope so. And I like that your point of wanting to see the country in a deeper way. That makes a lot of sense because it just wouldn't be the same right now, regardless of all the safety concerns and all that. Just like it just wouldn't feel the same. I totally see what you're saying there. Um, Well, yeah. And then, I mean, the other thing too is like, I want to be like in some diner in like Kansas or somewhere. Totally. and be like, Oh, I just ran here from California. And the people are like, what? Yeah. Um, And, and then, you know, I get to, or, you know, I just run into, you know, I don't know, like people that are out doing interesting things. And I, and I think that, 
you know, based on where we are now, I, I, I just don't think that that's going to be um, possible. You know what I'm picturing is you being at some, my dad likes to mountain bike and camp and like travel around the country. I'm like, I can so picture like this story in my head of you running across the country and my dad texting me one day and be like, I met this guy that was doing this thing at this campground. I mean, it's just like, so what happened in my life. And my dad would think that you were the coolest person ever. And you guys would have like a meal together. Like he would grill something on the grill. And I'm just like picturing that happening for some reason. Cause he always, sends me texts of random people that he meets when he goes camping yeah like i like i yeah i think it would be i think it'll be amazing and i mean i guess i mean if you went now like i i just don't think it's like there's some places that i don't think you're allowed to be it's yeah. like shelter in place and and, and like i don't want to uh i don't want to i don't want to make anyone have to do more than they need to like i think the, the best thing to do now is like we all do what they tell us to do and, and we get out of this the other way and, and then we can kind of start, you know, doing our stuff again if, if it's allowed. And okay. So, so yes. today, like we mentioned earlier, we're supposed to be the Boston Marathon and you were going to be pacing someone to try to break 2.30, right? I was, yeah. Yeah. So uh, a guy named Chaz Davis. He's a buddy of mine. He's a Paralympian and... um yeah, he's um, he's got um, you know challenges with his vision, and and so I was um, supposed to pace him for at least half of the marathon, um, and then um, he was gonna you know pick up another pacer, and and then I was gonna try to keep going, and you know, we'd probably be around the same time, you know, um, so you know I might have you know, been able to just you know stay near him and help and. Yeah, that was that was my goal was to, you know, try to make sure that he got a spot um, in Tokyo. And, mm. um, you know, unfortunately, you know, it didn't didn't work out that way. But, you know, hopefully we'll get to run again soon together because he's a good dude. And, yeah, I, I want to see him do really well. And, yes. and it's hard for those guys to find people fast enough <laughs> that are willing to, you know, not race uh, to help them. So, sure. you know, I'm, I'm happy to use um, you know, you know, some of, some of what I have to, you know, help him achieve his goals. Yeah. That's the unique part of your story is that you're a 217 marathoner, but you do all these other crazy challenges and races as well. I'm sure this is a question you get quite often, but did you ever wonder if you didn't race so much, if you could have like been a 210 guy or something like that? Oh yeah, man. I get that. My, yeah, I get that question all the time. I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that would be cool, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I've just never wanted to give up doing the other stuff to, you know, see what, see what that would look like. And so, um, you know, I, I have no regrets about, um, you know, doing ultras and, um, you know, trying new things and continuing to like expand what I'm capable of. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of 210 guys. Yeah, um, there are. Uh, and I mean, even, I mean, even faster, I mean, 206, 208, like, um, I mean, no disrespect to those guys. What they do is incredible, but, um, but I, you know, I've just not, not had any, um, interest in in seeing what that would look like you know just doing one race a year and i don't i just don't 
I don't think I would have as much fun and, and I don't know if I'd still be in the sport if I had done that. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it would um, check the box of the adventure, the adventurous <laughs> spirit that you have. I just, yeah, it just seems like you wouldn't be feeling, feeling that too much. Um, what was, what was the biggest lesson you learned from the, uh, the backyard race? I think the biggest thing that, I mean, there are a couple of things, but I think the, the thing that, that really resonated with me was um, I had a bad patch around 175 miles, like in the middle of the night. And I was just kind of like not having fun anymore. I wasn't really enjoying it. I was just, I don't know. It was just, I, I think I was just probably behind on calories and, um, you know, just a low point. And um, I, I went and spoke with my wife Jennifer and and told her I just I don't want to do this anymore I'm kind of done and um and she looked at me and she said like hey you hurt no I mean your stomach upset no and she just said I don't think that's a good enough excuse and it was like um that's all that I needed to hear like to have permission to like and I was trying to like justify it in my head, like, oh, you know, I've made her stand out here for like a day and a half. And, uh, you know, I've had all my friends like, you know, in the neighborhood, like set up tables and, um, you know, using their power. And um, yeah, I don't know. I was just like trying to justify like, oh, you know, I, I'm just making it hard for everyone. So it'd be better, easier for me to quit. And um, and. I think what I what I was really asking was like, are you willing to keep standing out here for another day and a half or two days if I want to keep going? And because uh, I really want to see what I'm capable of. But um, but I was afraid like to ask for help. And I think um, I think that I've gotten better at that over the years of like, you know, asking people to, you know, if they want to support me or, or, you know, what they can do, but it's still hard. Um, and it's still something that, you know, I'm trying to get better at, but, um, you know, I think just being able to have her say like, Hey, in not so many words, like I'm willing to stand out here and do this for as long as you are, Mm. let's see what you're capable of. Um, that was super important to me. And I think that was the best thing that I learned throughout the, you know, I, I mean, I learned, you know, I can eat, you know, pizza and still run. And, you know, I can, you know, do all, you know, a lot of other things. And I learned some like technical things like, um, you know, about changing socks and, you know, my shoes, like I just pulled them right out of the box, like my Hoka's. And, um, you know, I knew I, I was pretty sure that would work and I've done it before, but you know, when you're going into a race that could last a couple of days and, and I knew that I could just keep going. And so like, I learned stuff like that, but I think the biggest, best thing I learned was, um, you know, don't be afraid to, you know, look for help and, and seek it out when you need it. Um, cause it'll, you know, allow you to do some incredible things. I love that. Did your wife not sleep at all? No, she totally slept. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she, she go didn't... inside and sleep or does she like nap in a lawn chair out in the front porch? <laughs> no. Well, I think the first night she actually let some of my friends take, um, take over um but then she was up for a couple days like she was pretty badass and she would it's like it's kind of a tough for the crew also because it seems like an hour's a long time but it's really not especially when i'm asking for random crap all the time you know like 
I need popsicles or oh, can you get my socks? But I didn't leave them out for you, you know, like um, they're in the drawer somewhere, you know, <laughs> and just like, you know, you know, I thought I was pretty well prepared, but I was not. And um, we were much more prepared for the 80 mile race or the 12 hour race on Saturday this past weekend. So was that one week or two weeks later? Uh, it was like a week and a half. Week and a half. Yeah. Oh, I right. Mean, well, depending on because I didn't finish. Right. Until a couple of days later. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's one thing about your story. Do you really only need four hours of sleep a night? Uh, I do like, uh, and some nights I need even less. Really? I, I, yeah. But like, I'm, I'm trying to get better. I mean, I know that's something that I need to work on. And so, um, you know, e- even now, like I'm trying to like, um, just be super cognizant of like, you know, getting that rest. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if I get four hours, I'm pretty good. And, uh, and you're not tired get, during the day. Uh, not normally. Normally I'm pretty, pretty busy with, you know, whatever's going on. And, um, yeah. That's I mean, a superhuman yeah. power. It really is. It's, uh, it's, it, 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 yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's also, it's, it, it can be frustrating because, you know, if you're up at five in the morning and no one else is up, you just got to entertain yourself. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, and usually that's fine. I mean, usually I'll just go, you know, meet people for, because there are a lot of other people that are like that. Um, you know, especially that I, that I've cultivated over the years, like we've found each other, (laughs) you know, in some way. And so I'm actually, um, yeah, just, you know, I know some people like that and, um, so anyhow, yeah. And then it's nice too, now that I, uh, as we did, we were talking about travel, like I, you know, know people all over the world. So I had like a conference call this morning with my buddy Roger in Australia while I was on the treadmill and like, mm-hmm. they're like 14 hours ahead. So it's, you know, his evening. So no big deal. Or like I did, uh, we were talking about podcasts. I did a podcast with my buddy Ian Corliss on Talk Ultra at 2.30 in the morning. You know? Oh my so gosh. Yeah, it's, like, you know, it's like, okay. Because he cool. was in a different like, time zone? Yeah, because he's in London. So mm. it's like, okay, that works. Wow. I don't care. So, so like, do you just like, I'm so fascinated with this, especially because I feel like most of us distance runners, we're like, oh, we need eight hours of sleep a night, you know. But like, do you just go to bed late and get up early every day? And do you just not have any kind of structure with it? Um, No, actually, no, I, I try to go to bed pretty early. Actually, last night I was in bed by like eight o'clock. I was, I was super tired from the 80 mile race on Saturday. Um, but yeah, a lot of times like I'll try to get in bed by like nine 30 or 10 and then, you know, up by, um, yeah, whenever, like if, but I usually like sleep a couple hours and then I wake up for a couple hours and then it's weird. So yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't, it's, yeah, it's weird. Like I'm in my art dog wakes us up Rosie and I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, not a continuously good sleeper. So you just like get when in the middle of the night, if you wake up, you just get up and end up doing something. Yeah. A lot of times I'll play chess. <laughs> um, okay. I'm well, like really into chess. Oh my gosh. Well, uh, we'll wrap up with the end of the podcast questions, but 
I do want to mention to everybody that you do also, on top of running all these serial races and doing, you know, running what hundred plus miles a week. What what is your average? Uh, I think this month is pretty high, but I'd say it's between seventy and one hundred and ten. Yeah, um, most weeks. So you also have two kids and you work full time and you're just getting, getting a lot, a lot done. So, um, I'm not going to ask you how you balance it because we all have different, you know, I just like people ask me that all the time too. And I, I don't run half the miles that you run, but people just ask you, how do you balance work and kids and all the things? And I just think everybody's different. You just got to find your own way to do it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and there's like, um, do a little talk where I talk about like invisible training. And, um, you know, I just try to, you know, have the training done in the most um, efficient way possible. And, and I try to, before when I, I used to work downtown, I would, you know, run to work and run home. And that's time where you're not really, um, away from the family because you'd be commuting anyhow and then run again at lunch. And so like, I think, you know, there's always ways to, to get things done if, if you really want it and you'll find ways to, to make it happen. Um, and, and I think that's what it is. I mean, you, for me, it's just, I need, I need a big goal and I need something kind of audacious and out there that, um, you know, makes it worthwhile because if, if you're just like, Oh, I don't really know why I want to, <laughs> I want to, you know, do a 20 miles in the morning, like that's going to be hard to get done. But like, if you're like, I want to do it so that I can run around Mont Blanc or um, run across the country. I mean, that's, that's a different thing. And, and I think that, you know, helps me stay motivated. And um, I'm sure that your audience has, you know, things they want to achieve too. And it's just finding that um, catalyst, I think. Yeah. I think that's right. That you have to, you need to have a goal, a reason for doing it. That's, that's it. A reason for doing it. Um, okay. So I'm creating a happy quarantine playlist for everybody to lift spirits. And, uh, we started this a couple episodes back with Des Linden and she chose lovely day, Bill Withers. Um, Maggie, your friend Maggie, she chose, um, Today, Smashing Pumpkins. I think it's called Today, right? Yeah. Okay. And then Sally chose Up All Night by Taurus. Do you know that song? Uh, is that is that like I'm up all night? To, no, I think that's like Jamiroquois, isn't we it? We stayed up all night. We stayed up all night, Taurus. I, that song like should be your 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 life anthem. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Courtney said, hold on by Wilson Phillips, because Maggie played that for her in the middle of the night at Biggs and it like lifted her spirit. So my question to you, Mike, is what's a fun, happy song that we can add to this playlist from Mike Wardian? Ooh, a fun, happy song. Hmm. That's changing my, uh, my thought process. Um, because I was going to say 100 Miles and Running by NWA, but that's, I don't know if that's... Is it good? Um, oh, it's awesome, yeah. 100, but, 100 Miles and Running, NWA, that's old school rap. Yes. Miles uh, and Running, we can add it. Um, I was just going to say, as long as you don't give me like 
spin the black circle or whatever it is, the whipping from Pearl Jam. Just no like screaming songs where it's like hard rock because those are the songs my husband likes and I, they like make <laughs> me want to like, you know, cover my ears. Uh, I mean, we can always do a Taylor Swift song like Blank Space. Okay. Or, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. That that one I I I I always uh or um uh wait there's another one that I like it's uh Lady Gaga right uh, Bad Romance okay that's a good one Lady Gaga Bad Romance okay um I have been listening to Taylor Swift nonstop these past couple days her newest album Lover is so good and I don't care. Oh my God. I haven't heard a lot of that actually, but yeah, I mean, she like, how can you not feel happy when you listen to her music? It's just, it's so good. Just nice. Yeah. 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 And my husband's the biggest music snob and I'm like, I don't care what you say. This is really (laughs) good music. And she's written like almost all of these songs. So, um, actually she probably has written all of them just with some help on some of them, but yeah, she's, I'm kind of obsessed. No shame there. No. Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay. Uh, what? It, here are the wrap-up questions. What is one thing professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Uh, climb Mount Everest. Okay. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um. Hmm. Um. No, no. Uh, I'd say like a running accomplishment or just any accomplishment. Whatever you want it to be say winning like my first chess tournament like uh six months ago like really well i didn't actually win i tied but i was really pumped i won money in chess like i was pumped yeah wow you're that into chess uh well yeah it was like me and some eight-year-olds but yeah yeah. (laughs) was it an online thing or was it an in-person thing no no it's it's a in-person it used to be in person yeah but yeah but yeah that was that was pretty pretty big deal for me Okay, I love that. Um, if you could have a coffee, tea, or cocktail with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? I think maybe Michael Jordan. I, I think his documentary comes out today, but I think he would be interesting to to um, to hang out with for a second. That's so great. Okay, what's a nonprofit you like to support? Uh, World Vision. Mm, I love that. Have you ran for them, I'm sure? Yeah, I've actually done a couple of races for them raise a fair amount of money so yeah it's been they they do a lot of cool projects it's funny because i i know them through uh my real job as an international ship broker on my full-time job i shouldn't say real job because i feel like being a professional runner is a real job now i just uh have started to classify that as a, a job but like um you have two real but jobs. yeah like <laughs> yeah i guess but yeah i know they do great work um you know, on the humanitarian food aid side, and then also, um, you know, raising money for them to uh, do some of their water projects. It's just, it's, it's super cool what they do. And, and I know that they do good work. So um, there, I mean, there's tons of organizations out there. I just, you know, know, know these guys pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Um, Okay. Last question, Michael, what is your one message to send to the world? Uh, uh, we will get through this. It will, it will end at some point, and uh, and when it does, we're gonna we're gonna have a, an amazing time. So don't worry. It, you know, 
no matter what happens, uh, we'll we'll get through this and and uh, we'll come out the other side. So good. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've had a, a massive amount of interviews, so I just really appreciate you um, taking the time to to speak with me on this podcast. No problem. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening today. Thank you, Michael, for coming on the show. We appreciate you so much. You guys can find him on the social medias. He is Mike Wardian on Twitter and on Instagram. He is also Mike Wardian. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well that you should definitely join. I want you to be a part of that community. Links to all of those things will be in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. And if you're interested in extra episodes and interested in a way to support the show, check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. We would love to have you join us over there. All right, friends, I hope you're having a really great day and we will see you on Friday with an episode with Amelia Boone.